Thank you so kindly, beautiful people of God, and thank you for your kind and sweet words, my brother, Anthony. I appreciate so very much the fun that we've had. I, uh, we, we've had a little break here. Uh, it's hard to, believe me, I, I, I know a little about eating. It's hard to eat supper just a few minutes after dinner. And I, I appreciate so very much the little break and the time that we've had. Haven't we had fun? Amen. So beautiful. And uh, Mickey, you are, you are awesome as well. You are awesome. probably will mention it again later on, but I think all of us are aware that there is a touch of the anointing of God upon this meeting, probably beyond most of our comprehensions before arriving and now beyond our understanding, even since experiencing. The depth of this move of the Holy Ghost and the ministry that we have heard. Just to be honest with you, I have heard most all of these fellows preach, but I have never heard any of them preach like they have preached here. That's right. That's right. And that's that's not just a word to or a statement just to pass time. But I I think that we need today and I would like to do that because of my profound love for brother and sister Mangan not just junior but senior the the fact that that we well the fact that the in the providence of God because of the times was was arranged to be here it was given birth to here and uh, you know we we talk about we talk about why can't we do this at other meetings? Why can't we do this at general conference? Why can't we? you know you hear all kind of things? And uh, I, I just and, and I'm I'm all for us doing whatever we can do. But I'd like today to make one statement that I think all of us need to be apprised of. This meeting is special, and it's special here. And one of the reasons that it's special here is because of the pure love for the cause of God that Vestalene and Gerald Mangan have had for years. There is a signal blessing of God upon this meeting here because these people have been so dedicated for so long. I have said in his behalf and in his defense sometimes Brother Gerald Mangan is probably one of the most misunderstood men among us. His, you have got to be with him and you've got to know his heart by being with him long enough to know what makes him tick. And I can say of all men that we have among us, there is not a more pure-minded, 
or purely motivated man than Brother Mangan. That's my assessment for whatever it's worth. But I do appreciate the fact that I have been allowed to be a part of this and at times Brother Anthony demands of me to have something to say. And I would, I would like today, if you would just preach with me for the next little while. I want you, I, 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 of course you, you, you can put yourself in my shoes after hearing such great preaching. You know, it's, it's, though you, though you know you've heard from God before it's delivered, yeah. sometimes you can feel like Ned in the first reader. And uh, that's kind of the way I feel here today. But God's going to help us. And I don't know whether I will be preaching to everybody or not, but I already know that I'm going to be preaching to some. And I want God to, I want God to take the bread and break it and, and let's, let's let God talk to us. Praise God. When I read my text, some of you, it's going to be so familiar that you're going to be very tempted to just turn the switch to off position and, uh, and kind of, kind of set back for the ride. But, uh, well, maybe nap for the, for the ride. But, uh, don't, don't turn me off until you have given me a chance. And until we have given God a chance. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. I'd like for us today to just... Uh, I want you to just lift your hands and by faith, let's thank God for anointing the lips of his servant, anointing our ears to hear. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Thank you for anointing the lips of your feeble servant. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for anointing the ears of your people. Thank you for melting our hearts together in the presence of God. I love you, I love you, I love you. I thank you and I appreciate you. In Jesus' name, praise God. Hallelujah. And everybody that's happy, say hallelujah. And everybody that's still hungry enough to take another morsel, say hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you so very much. Paul introduces the idea that there are two ways to approach the achievement of our purpose. There are two schools of thought. He introduces the idea that there are two philosophies. He introduces the idea that there are two methods. One, he says, is the way of the flesh. The other, he says, is the way of the spirit. Now understand that he is not speaking of the way of the world versus the way of the church. 
He is not speaking of Satan's way versus God's way. He is speaking of the choices that the people of God have within the kingdom. We can do it the way of the flesh to accomplish whatever. And we can do it the way of the spirit to accomplish whatever. He is speaking to the people of God with their choices of their priorities and the way they choose to approach the accomplishment of the purpose. Paul introduces another subject, another subject matter in Galatians when he made a statement and I had never heard anybody preach on that particular word until some time ago when it hit me and I endeavored to preach a sermon. But he made a statement to the Galatians. He said, Oh foolish Galatia, who hath bewitched you? Some other influence, he says, has cast a spell over you to which you have given your allegiance. You are bewitched to think that something which was begun in the spirit can be completed or perfected in the flesh. Paul told the church at Corinth, if you want to know how important it is to operate in the spirit, first of all, remember that you're Gentiles. And by being Gentiles, remember that you are susceptible to being carried away unto these dumb idols. Paul sounds like Jeff Arnold. <laughs> Gentiles, the people of many gods, the people of much human reasoning, people of not a lot of understanding, but a whole lot of reason. You're susceptible to being carried away unto these dumb idols. He said, I want you to understand that as impossible as it is for someone by the Spirit to call Jesus accursed, it's just that impossible for you to even know that he is Lord, except by the Holy Ghost. Brother Barnes, thank you for that most magnificent message on the revelation of the oneness of God. And I am in the affirmative today, and I wholeheartedly believe that the only way we will ever understand the mystery of godliness, how that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, 
is for us to have a spiritual revelation that Jesus Christ is the mighty God. Thank you again, Brother Barnes, for that beautiful message. In desperation before God, in our morning prayer, I was weeping. My soul was yearning. I was seeking and desperate for an answer. I was not just having a pity party that morning. My, my eyes lifted to the field. My eyes were encompassing my brethren, the struggle of all of us as a church. My spirit and my yearning soul began to cry out, God, why? Why can't we get it all together? We want it. We crave it. We have the truth. We have the spirit. But we come so close at times only to just find that we had brushed it. We go from conference to conference, from camp meeting to camp meeting, from conquest meeting to conquest meeting, and even from because of the times to because of the times. We see it. We know it's there. We brush it. We learn more about it. And we see more clearly our need for it. Only to leave here and to leave these sessions. Having made some progress, yes, but still trying to get it all together. Trying to find the handle to get a hold on it. Am I by myself? Is anybody, anybody agreeing with me today with your own experience? I was crying out to the Lord on that day because I've heard some with marks of accusation say if we could be more sincere, if we could have more polish, if we could just, you know, and, and, and I've heard so many antidotes that have been thrown in for our uh, appraisal or, or for, for us to study. And I, 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 can't, I, I can't really buy all of that. Because I know that among this people, there are some as sincere as any people anywhere on the face of the earth. And I know there are some among us that are as talented as there are anywhere on the face of the earth. And I know that there are some that long for it and hunger for it. As much as anybody else anywhere hungers for achievement. My soul began to cry out, where are we missing it? Where are we losing it? Or how are we disqualifying ourselves to keep it? I had not gotten far into my prayer and my dialogue that morning. Until God stopped me very abruptly and quickly answered me with these words. Son, there is nothing 
that I cannot do through my people. There is nothing that I would not do through my people if I didn't have so much flesh to go through. My people think too much after the flesh. Into my presence, into the spirit dimension, and then out of my service or out of my presence, back into human reasoning. I am here to tell you today that my hat is off to some among us who have reached a spiritual dimension and through some means they have been able to keep that as a lifestyle. There are others among us that I wonder sometimes if they've ever reached the spirit dimension since they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They live in a perpetual state of carnality, frivolity, Unguarded lifestyles, uncaring, undedicated. But that's the two ends of the spectrum. While the majority, I think, probably, we've got a well-worn path between the two worlds. We're in the spirit dimension for a moment and then we're out and we're back. We touch it. But then we retreat to the pizza hut. Or we retreat to the to the jokes and the folly. Or we retreat back to the earth ties. And first thing you know, if we get back into the spirit dimension, we've got that same trek to try to make again. God just clued me in that morning and I'm giving to you the best I know how. What the Lord shared with me. Please take it with the humility of heart that I try to give it to you. Not long after he made that statement, my people think too much after the flesh. The words came then like a bolt of lightning. And I had to inquire when these words came. The gospel according to me. And I was about to inquire, Lord, what do you mean the gospel according to me? And my mind went to a little book that I had seen one time, Gospel According to Peanuts. And I, I, was, I was in a quandary. And he said, self-oriented instead of kingdom-oriented. He said, I hear cries all the time. Lord, I want to see revival. But the unprayed word that follows is here. He said, I hear the prayer. Oh God, we want miracles in your name. But the unprayed statement that follows was here 
God, we want to, we, 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 we want you to stand behind your word with signs and wonders. But then I read the heart that says, here. We want the miracles. We want the signs. We want the wonders. And we want it all. But we want it here. Because we're self-oriented. Instead of kingdom-oriented. Most of us want God to pour out His favor and His blessings upon us in the abundance of what we would distribute if we were doing the pouring. But God chooses to pour out upon us what we would pour out upon our brother. Biblical terms that are difficult for a carnal mind to put into its lifestyle is prefer your brother. When all is well with thee, remember me. Our lifestyles go something like this. When all is well with me, I don't know there's anybody in the world hungry. When all is well with me, I don't know there's anybody else lost. The only way God can get our attention sometimes for the rest of the world is by what he strips from us, not by what he gives to us. I know it's heavy. And I know we're all feeling heavy. But if we could just let the Holy Ghost talk to us for a few moments. I believe God wants to give his people some secrets of the way he's looking at things. And there's some among us that are sincere. That says, God, whatever it is that you see that needs to be corrected. I will be about the business of correcting my attitude that I can help see the cause of God accomplished in the earth. Let's lift our hands and just talk to the Lord for just a moment. Let's pray. Oh, God. Oh, sweet God. Sweet God. The Word of God subtly but surely teaches us that our relationship to God is determined by our relationship to our brother. It starts out simple. It starts out with just the little idea, give and it shall be given. We all love that. But what he's subtly referring to is that it's your attitude towards your brother's knee. That's going to determine God's attitude towards your knee. The next one, if, if you would have friends 
You've got to show yourself friendly. See, this is not just a winner take all. It's a give and take proposition. Mm. Hallelujah. I'm feeling the Holy Ghost. Mm. You just you just stay with me. It may get a little lighter after a while. Uh, I'm feeling Jesus in this house. Another another statement he said, if you do not want to be judged, then don't crawl up on the judge's bench. See, real, real, real subtle. He, he's he's uh, dropping these things. And he said, if you want to receive mercy, you're going to have to give mercy. And if you want forgiveness, he said, don't even ask your heavenly father to forgive you unless you forgive your brother. Do you, do you pick up the subtle, the subtle teaching here that everything that we consider is our relationship to God? And oh, some of us, my God, some of us, I don't know whether we're whistling in the dark or just what we're doing, you know, but, but we can, oh, we can be so confident, you know, so confident. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, something like a wet blanket hits us in the face. We are, have to admit by biblical teaching that we cannot lay claim onto a relationship with God that we have not with our brother. In fact, everything that we receive from God is diametrically, well, it is... Let me let me let me say uh, uh, everything we receive from God is proportionately decided according to what we have been doing for our brother. The scripture says it. Whatever measure you mete out, it shall be measured again unto you. For whatever that you want to receive, be it mercy, forgiveness, friendship, whatever it is. In fact, he said, you don't even make the statement that you love your God because you haven't seen him. If you can't love your brother that you have seen. Hallelujah. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness. It's, that's, it's just a plain statement. It's a scripture. First John 2, 9. And then the crux of the whole matter. The bottom line of, of the whole story is simply this. There's a job for the church to be doing there is an attention 
of a lost world that has got to be gotten. And the only way that we can represent the love, the unity, and everything that Jesus Christ impersonates, he said, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. I worry about reinstated guilt. Because I stumbled upon something the other day that I had... Well, I hadn't forgotten it. it. Just, I just never had understood it quite like I understood it when the Holy Ghost got through with me. It's been preached in this conference about the man who was who was forgiven so much. Brother Wayne Huntley did such a beautiful job. He was he was forgiven such an astronomical debt, and then upon. Uh, upon retreating from that from that ceremony where he was released from such a horrendous debt instead of the joy and the beauty and the and and, and the magnanimity that, that should have been in his heart for having been such a recipient of such a blessing he turns to one of his subordinates and a debt that was not nearly so astronomical he was hard-nosed about it. You're going to pay me. You know, I mean, that, that all kind of fell into the, into the category of attitudes. Until I understood when God got through with me that God or the, the master called that guy back in. He said, I'm sorry. I, I, I've made a mistake here. I took your attitude to be one thing, and I just heard somebody tell me what you just did. I was mistaken, sir. Your guilt is reinstated. Can you understand why? We might need to be just a little bit worried about when we brush it, we touch it, we've almost got it together, and then all of a sudden we're reaching for it again. We and, and, and I know we're human beings and we'll never be deity. We'll never we'll never have it all together permanently until we get yonder. But surely we can have it together long enough to get the job done. There's somewhere, something is causing us through our attitudes or whatever. Brother Tenney, you did so beautifully today. I was waiting any minute for you to go ahead and preach my message. You preached my message, you just didn't say it the way I'm saying it. Thank you for leaving me just a few words. The only thing about Brother Tenney, he gives you so much in an hour's time that you can pick where you're going to shout. If you find anything about this to shout about, you better do it right then. <laughs> Let's clap our hands and love Jesus. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. My, my, uh, my preference in preaching is to preach camp meeting style. But I'm not worried about camp meeting style, nor what you think of it. 
I've just got a message to deliver. And I'm here to say it regardless of how you think about The most frequently borrowed term of all family relations is that of my brother. But when it says my brother for whom Christ died, it puts it into a spiritual realm. There's a scripture that I never did understand until just recently. Scripture that says a brother is born for adversity. In childhood, a brother serves as the adversary. He serves as the flint rock of challenge to ignite the fire of desire. A brother serves to be the challenging force that one another learn to run, to play games, to work. Or to learn in school. Or to excel. No one challenges such a furious emotion as can a brother. Nobody can make another brother as mad as a brother can. Nobody can put the grit in a younger brother's teeth like the older brother. Nobody can incite him to excel like the, like the fun making or the peer pressure of that older brother. Be it younger either, pressure on the older. Nobody can incite the emotions that a brother can incite. And that's all wonderful and good as long as it's child play. That's good as long as they're learning the alphabet. Or they're learning to catch the bus. Or they're learning to run a foot race. That's wonderful when it's the flint rock that, that, that sparks the, 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 the ignition of desire. That's wonderful and good. But there comes a time when the childish relationship, when brothers are one another's adversary. There comes a time in development where love relationship replaces being one another's adversary and love puts its arms around its brother and say we can take on the whole world because we be brethren. And I think probably what's happened to some of us is that we've been around long enough and we've wedded one another's desires. We've challenged one another. And we have, we have done a whole lot of things to inspire one another. I heard a lot of criticism back in the years of, of our labor in the youth department about uh, the challenge of, 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 of one another in, uh, in She's for Christ giving. I said, don't worry about it. We're all working for the same cause. And if we can incite one another to good works, so be it. But I think what's happened is that some of us have grown up a little bit now. And some of those sparks that ignited the, 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 the desire to excel and achieve in youth. Instead of love turning it into a respect for one another. Somehow love has been vacated. Love has been.
even be friends if it wasn't for our heavenly Father. We can become so challenged until without love when someone excels us it turns to hate and if not hate resentment and if not resentment bitterness am I talking to anybody today I'm trying to I'm trying to find the root of the matter of why we only brush and cannot hold I believe God wants to talk to us about the fact that it's time now for us to pray. I was praying in my in my place again. Pardon me, I, I'm not trying to sound like I'm some kind of a mighty prayer warrior. But you know, God does have a way of talking to us when we're in prayer. And if God talked to me while I was in prayer, I want you to know it was while I was in prayer. So you won't have the tendency to just write it off that moral you and talk it. If God did have anything to do with it, I want him to get credit for it. <laughs> kind of like the little boy in youth camp several years ago. I looked at his card. He just, he just signed in, you know. And it had questions on there. Do you have the Holy Ghost? And I looked at the card. Instead of yes or no, he didn't, he didn't even, out to the side, he wrote some. <laughs> I think what he's trying to tell me was I'm aware that I'm probably not near where I need to be but if there just happens to be any left in there I don't want to be a blasphemer <laughs> Uh, oh, let's clap our hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. I think the Holy Ghost is wanting to bring our relationships to our brothers to new dimensions. Not an adversary now, but a companion in adversity. There comes a time they can play around the house and around the barn and fight over the marbles and who's going to have the BB gun and who's going to... But there comes a time when they grow up, they cease to be one another's adversary. And they join hearts against a common adversary. Not a foe, but a friend against the foe. Not one to be overcome, but a strength to help me be an overcomer. If I believe with all of my heart that God is desiring. I started to tell you about when I was praying. I was praying and, 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 and just, I was, I was asking God. And of course, I, that, that day I was a little selfish because I was praying for Eastwood. But he let me know that it was, for whoever that was talking about the gifts of the Spirit, I, I think I recognize the same symptoms and more than just Eastwood. So I don't, I don't hesitate from going ahead and preaching what I felt that day in prayer. 
God spoke to me and said what you need and what the church needs is a fresh baptism of love. You realize I went to my church and started preaching the baptism of love and for that to be our number one priority and you'd be surprised to know what a different feeling there is. God just let me know like some prankster would pull the oil plug out of, a, out of an automobile engine. Satan has found somehow to drain the church. Or maybe it's just our human reasoning. I don't know. But the church has, has run low of the love of God. What we need to pray. I'll tell you what. All kind of things can, can, can cause this. Not just sin. We can be in the midst of a battle and we can fight spiritual warfare until the first thing you know, our nerves are on edge and, and, and all of this. I'm not, I'm not downing us. I'm just saying we need to be apprised that one of our priorities should be God baptize us with a fresh baptism of love. Love to my brother, love to my sister, love to my mother, love to my daddy, love to my pastor, love to my pastor's wife, love from the pastor's wife to the pastor. The devil will work at us on any kind of a territory or any kind of a, of a premise if we just give him a chance to do it. But when love comes in, love replaces all of the misunderstandings and misgivings. Who shot Allah God is ready to move this body, this beautiful body of Christ, into a new dimension. We have been gaining ground in prayer. Can anybody lift your hand and affirm with me that since a year ago at conference or a couple of years ago, whenever God got to talking to your heart, how many of you can say, I'm doing more praying, Brother Ewan, these days than I ever did in all of my experience with God? God's arresting our attention with prayer. God is moving us with fasting. God is moving us into a new dimension. And I believe that a fresh baptism of love is forthcoming. I believe that. But I think all of you will have to admit with me that in the last couple of years, that religion has suffered because there have been such strong personalities and under the scrutiny of light things are revealed that bring disappointment and hurt to the very cause of religion around the world. But have you sensed that in this meeting the light of the focus light of religion per se is suddenly, all of a sudden, we're no longer in the shadows. There is, there is an anointing that is being placed on men. And I said I'd get to it later. I've never heard Jeff Arnold preach the way he preached last night. 
I've never heard Rex Johnson preach the way he preached last night. I've never heard Brother Fuller preach the way he preached last night. I've never, some of you talked about Brother Urshan's dancing. Well, I never have heard him preach the way he preached the other night. Something is happening to us. Something is happening to us. We're being brought out of the shadows into the light. Listen to me just a minute. In case, hold it right where you are. In case somebody misunderstand, I'm not talking about the light of revelation. I'm talking about the light of exposure. And this is what's eating some people's lunch. They couldn't stand obscurity because they wanted us to be flaunted like we were some kind of a bargain in some religious bargain store. I got news for you. I felt all along that God didn't want us to be no choice among many varieties. When God got his, when God started to take the yoke or the cloak or the velvet off of us, we would be the only thing in the light. Reach out and touch somebody on the shoulder and tell them, it's your day, Pentecostal. It's your day. It's your day. It's your day. I believe it, Bubba. Somebody ought to shout a little bit. Slowly but surely, God is exposing His truth. Listen to this one thing. Error can fool anybody in the darkness. But only truth can stand the scrutiny of light. Any old devil hanging around or any old, any old white sheet behind any old tree can scare a kid half to death as long as it's dark. But when, it, when you get the light on, you better have something there besides a sheet. They're going to make fun of you. I got news for you. You turn the searchlight. Turn the spotlight. Turn the beam on the truth. And the only thing about the diamond of truth is when it begins to penetrate. The light begins to reflect. It doesn't really answer all your questions. It just answers just enough that you understand that you've got a few more you'd like to ask. of the mystery of light upon truth it just staggers the mind it don't answer all their questions 
It just makes them want to know more. Yeah. Ooh, I'm a feeling the Holy Ghost around here. Sit down. I'm just fixing. To, I'm just fixing to wind it up, if I can. How long have I been preaching? It's two thirty. What time to start? Two fifteen. Man, I got. I got. I got thirty minutes. Jesus, have mercy. Hallelujah. Yeah, watch this. <laughs> watch this. <laughs> oh, let's give Jesus another good hand. My God, how much fun can you have? If we could, if we could get out of our of our hangups, our our, our jealousies. Our envies, our spirits of bitterness, and I. There, there's so many areas that you that you could deal in, but brethren, one of the saddest telephone calls I ever got in all of my life. It was first of all a beautiful report of revival, and I was so happy. I was tickled to death. I'm, I mean, that, that, it don't matter to me where it is. If, it's, if God's doing a work, it tickles me to death. I, I pray, and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying this, I mean, I don't, I don't do it just so I can get up here and say it. I pray for every church in Lake Charles to have revival. I want my brethren to have revival. Because when they're having revival, that means I'm having it too. I pray for that. But uh, this, this pastor called me, and uh, I won't tell you... Uh, what state or anything like that. He just, uh, after I rejoiced with him, I just had the biggest time. He told me, he said, Brother Ewing, I've had 87 people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And he got to telling me about some of the wives and their husbands were the ones that were brought in. And, and the miracle of it all. And, and I, was, I was ecstatic. And he almost started crying on the other end of the line. He said, Brother Ewan, thank you for rejoicing with me. He said, I'm finding it difficult to find somebody to rejoice with me. I don't know how many had called. But maybe because they didn't like the particular evangelist in his way. Or it didn't come out of their stack. or They weren't there to check and see if they talked in tongues is right. He said, I'm having, just, just thank you. Thank you for rejoicing with me. I hung up that phone and such a heaviness came over me. My God, no wonder we can't get it all together. No wonder we can't get a hold of it and get a grip on it with some of the attitudes that we've got concerning our brother and concerning the work of God in his church and concerning revival for that church. And I hate to say it, but that kind of a spirit can even get into districts. God forbid that we would ever be jealous, that we would ever be bitter or envious. Oh God, God help us.
things. Help us and deliver us from things that choke God's grace and revival out of us. Does anybody, does anybody feel what I'm feeling? If we can just simply, if we can just simply, if God does it, wherever it is, rejoice. Rejoice. If my brother is having revival, rejoice. If there's miracles in that evangelist ministry, rejoice. Rejoice. Don't try to find the cause to kill him. Don't try to find the cause to push him down. If God is using him, rejoice. 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 You may be seated. And the reason for some of our dilemmas is because God cannot do it for us. Because we won't let Him do it for somebody else. Must I say it again? One of the reasons that we're not having it is because we won't let God do it for us. Because we won't let Him do it for our brother. I control the strings on God's purse. He can give me no more than what I can be happy with Him giving my brother. Oh God. Is, is, is there anybody understands? Is there anybody understands the different ways that we can approach trying to accomplish the purpose? If you want to try the flesh route, if you want to be bewitched, to think after having begun by receiving the Holy Ghost, that you can be perfected by getting into a carnal, stinking You go ahead and try it that way. But I'll tell you what this old boy has made up in his mind. I'm not going to treat God any less respectful than I would treat my brother Mangan. Brother Mangan is a little older than I am. Not much, but a little. Not over 50 years. If I were approaching a door with this precious man, you know what this old boy would do? I would reach out. And I'd get a hold of that door. And I'd open it. And I'd say, after you, Brother Mangan. After you. After you. I know I'd have a hard time beating you to it. That's right. And if I were approaching with Brother Kilgore. Or if I were approaching with my district superintendent. He was the best man in my wedding. I love him like a friend. Like a brother. But, 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 but if I were approaching a door with him. I would open that door. Because he's my elder. He's my, he's my, 
district superintendent, I would say, after you, Brother Tenney. But you know what our lifestyles are? Our lifestyles are like this. We get up in the morning. We collect all of the unfinished tasks from yesterday. We add it to the priority list for today. And we run ourselves ragged trying to get everything done that we need to do. And then when we get home in the afternoon, so bush we can't hardly put a foot ahead of another. We say down by the bedside, oh God, I've done my best today. I've tried. I've done everything I could, Lord. I just pray that you would come along behind me and take my feeble efforts and make something out of them. That's the way we wind our day up, hoping God can make up the difference. I wonder what it would be like if every one of us every day would open the door into this fresh day and say, Master, I go nowhere without you today. I do nothing without you today. I open the door into the day after you, Master, after you, after you. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. God wants to give birth in this late hour of the afternoon to something in some of us that we would not ever again want to resort to doing it the way of the flesh. We'll do it the way of the spirit. So help me God. Sit down just a minute, just a minute. I ain't even talked about closing. I ain't going to have nothing to apologize about. I ain't going to quit a half a dozen times. I'm just going to keep on till I quit. I love boys. <laughs> Brother Libby, I enjoyed it. Oh my God. I never heard such a preaching. One preacher got up. He's putting on his tie, his clothes. He's starting. Gotta go to the hospital. First priority, Ben, has gotta go to the hospital. Gotta go to the hospital. While he's trying to get ready, the Holy Ghost nudged him and said, Go see Bill. Oh, yeah, sure. Put that down. Yeah, I've got to go see Bill. Thank you for reminding me, Lord. Just about forgot Bill. Yeah. Got to go to the hospital. Got the keys, went to the car. Got to go to the hospital. Holy Ghost nudged him while he's cranking the car. Go see Bill. Oh, okay, Lord. Thank you. Don't let me forget that. I plan to do that before the day's over. Sure do. Out of the driveway, down to the road. You turn left to go to the highway or to the hospital, turn right to go see Bill. When he stopped, he was fixing to turn left. Go to the hospital. I gotta go to the hospital. Didn't, didn't, didn't get that done yesterday. I gotta go to the hospital. God. Holy Ghost spoke to him and said, You go on to the hospital. I'm going to see Bill. He said, Oh, 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 pardon me just a minute, Lord. 
Excuse me just a minute. Ain't much, much need me going to the hospital if you don't go with me. Let's just go see Bill together. <laughs> Saints of God and preachers of the gospel, I'm a preaching to you today about a God that's able to give you more than just general direction. <laughs> Ooh, don't slap me too hard. We have been called out of the world. We're on our way to God's heaven. We are we are in general alignment with holiness and, and we're we're doing pretty good in several areas and we're just rocking along kind of in that general direction. Tell you what, God's able to do more than just point a general direction. God is able to speak to us and give us specific locations. I tell you what you do, Philip, you leave this revival. You go south to a way that goes from Jerusalem to Giza. And right there, right there. Don't, 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 have, to, don't have to worry about it. Just, just be, on play, be, be at the right place at the right time. And that's what the Holy Ghost can have us. When he got there, he saw that chair go. Holy Ghost just nudged himself. Join yourself. No understanding. Well, brother Mangan, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Well, I tell you what. Let me let me talk to you about it for just a little while. He's still able to give Simon Peter a vision on the rooftop and tell him where to go to find the house and the hungry heart that he was looking for. See, God don't just know how to give general directions. He knows how to give specific locations. But we don't find that after the flesh. That only comes after the Spirit. Somebody shout hallelujah. He's still able to take an old Paul. Take him to Ephesus. Now you tell me how he found certain disciples. Put it in the newspaper. Run a deal on the radio. No. Good news television. So, you use what you got. Which way is the Holy Ghost wind blowing? Where's the hungry heart? <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 God, put him on location and finding certain disciples. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be. I'm not, I don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers here. I'm not, I'm not in the feather ruffling business today. I'm just trying to share with you. There was an old darling, 
Old Uncle Matt Holland. There's some of his nephews and his brother's grandchildren. The Holland family were a very unique family. Sister Ida Clark, one of the sisters of that family, or maybe the sister of the family. I've got one of her boys in my church. That family can tell you some of the most hair-raising experiences of that old family that knew how to pray. Sister Ida, one day, she was out praying. She had a bunch of preachers to fix dinner for her. And she was out praying. Laugh at it if you want to. Just get you a big ha-ha. But when somebody needs dinner for a bunch of preachers and they don't have no meat to fix, they feel a little awkward. So she's out, out, in, the, out in the edge of the woods praying. And she's down just to praying, God, I need something to fix for this bunch of preachers. God, in your name. And she said she heard an old hound jumped a rabbit and she listened for just a little bit and all of a sudden she saw that rabbit coming right down the trail where she is kneeling and that rabbit run right up in her apron closed her apron around him went home and cooked him <laughs> hallelujah some of you don't believe that do you you're looking at one, if I can believe all in a, in, a, in a vessel that kept on multiplying and wouldn't run out, I can believe God to drive a rabbit in a woman's apron. Land of the Spirit. One day she needed to go to the bus or the bus station, lived out of town, needed to go to the bus station. She said, Lord, I don't have no way to get there. She said, you'll just have to, I'll go wherever it is you want me to go. I think it was Atlanta, Birmingham, somewhere. She just, she just go, just, just go. Wouldn't ask no questions. Said, I need to get to the bus station. And just a little bit, her brother drove up. He was another preacher. He drove up and blowed the horn and said, out of where you need to go. God told me you needed a ride somewhere. I'm here to take you wherever you want to go. <laughs> Honey, I'm talking about a God that knows how to replace a telephone. Not a telephone that knows how to replace a God. Land of the Spirit! They say Uncle Matt was, was praying one day. God spoke to him. Brother James Kilgore could tell you story after story of things that happened just like this with his dear father. Many of us, many of us have brushed it and we've had times where we've touched it. But we never have just really got a hold of it as a lifestyle. <laughs> he was praying. God spoke to him. And said, now this is, this is over, in, over in Mississippi. Way out in the boonies in Mississippi. Now when you're in the boonies in Mississippi... <laughs> You're in the country. <laughs> God spoke to him and said, I want you to get on a bus and go to California. Just get on the bus and go to California. Uncle Matt went to the bus station. He inquired about the ticket. He said, all right. Uh, the bus ticket seemed to me like, I've, I've heard some of the family talking about, seemed like the bus ticket was something like $87 or, or $89 or something like that. Uncle Matt just uh, went over and sat down. And uh, he just sat there, went to, went to, you know, just, just enjoying. <laughs> he didn't have no eight to nine dollars. 
He just, he just looked up at the Lord and he said, Now, Lord, <laughs> he said, You told me you wanted me to go to California. I'm here. All I need is, is the money to buy a bus ticket. And I'm on my way. <laughs> kind of like the black boy that got stopped for running red light. Called, he put him in jail and gave him one, one telephone call. He said, who are you going to call? He said, I'm going to call my boss man. And he said, Mr. Boss man, they put me in jail. What would you do? I ran a stop sign or a red light. They can't put you in jail for running a red light. He said, I know that, Mr. Boss man. But he said, I'm speaking to you from the jail. <laughs> I, know, I know what they can't do, but I just wanted to tell you where I was at. Uncle <laughs> Matthew looked up and said, Lord, you want me to go to California? I'm at the bus station. <laughs> and he said, all of a sudden, the old, the old, the old you know, at the time, grown, the, the tip fella, the, the ticket agent, called out to him. said, sir, did you want a ticket to get on that bus? He said, yes, sir, I do. Sure do. <laughs> he said, you better get up here and get it because the bus is fixing to leave here in about five or ten minutes. He said, thank you, thank you. Appreciate that. About that time, he said, there was a man walked through the door of the bus station with a white hat on. Brother Boring. That's his uncle I'm talking about. The man said, I'm, I'm, I'm here looking for Matt Holland. Uncle Matt raised his hand and said, here I am. He walked over and handed him an envelope. The man turned and walked out. Uncle Matt went to try to tell him thank you. Wasn't nowhere to be found. He opened up the he opened up the envelope. It was the exact amount of money that he needed to buy the ticket. You're not gonna make me doubt anything like that. My God is able to do anything. I said anything. That's not all the story. I'm just about finished. You keep standing. Pardon me. I don't want to plan on saying that. In case I want to say something else. He was on that bus. They'd driven like for 20, you know, ever how many hours it takes for a bus to get out there. Probably 30, 30. Anyhow, it was, it was in the mid, three days. It was in the midnight, like one or two in the morning, in the midnight hours. And they had crossed Arizona out in that no man's land, that desert part of the country. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost hit Uncle Matt and said, this is where you get off. <laughs> it was midnight. It was black. It was, it was pitch dark. And out there, no, you know, very, very little traffic. Uncle Matt didn't ask. He didn't ask. He didn't ask nobody a question. He just got his little old hand back and he got up and he stumbled down the aisle of that bus after pulling the ripcord. <laughs> the bus driver said, man, he said, we're in the middle of a desert. You got a ticket to, to Los Angeles. 
He said, I know I got a ticket to L.A., but this is where I'm going. <laughs> what do you mean? He stopped the bus and let him out. Uncle Matt got out there in the middle of the night now. Lord, here I am. <laughs> it's like poor Brother Henry Ivey. When he went off up north during the wintertime to preach a revival, he thought it was going to be spring, you know, and it was still winter. He got up there, pitched their tent, and it come a freeze. And he, he got to praying, Lord, this is Henry Ivey. <laughs> Off up here in Bangor, Maine, trying to have a revival. <laughs> like dumb of me to come up here. But <laughs> here I am. He said it wasn't but just a little while. Here come a fella driving up and pulled up in the midnight hours. Pulled over, rolled down his window. And asked the question, Are you the fellow I'm looking for? Uncle <laughs> Matt said, I just well may be who you're looking for. <laughs> he said, I'm a pastor of a church about 15 or 20 miles north, I believe it was, of this freeway. He said, I'm so desperate for revival. And I was a praying tonight. And God told me to come to this freeway and turn toward Los Angeles and pick up the first fellow I saw standing on the side of the road.